Well, good morning, church, and I am so glad you joined us online this morning. And Jen, if you were watching the announcements earlier, told you to get out your phone and go to our new e-guide. But in case you're getting on right now late, uh, let me tell you what you can do. Grab your phone. We want to show you something that we're going to use as we come back to church together next week. And so get your phone, and on your phone, you're going to go to our website, and you're going to go to cotlakes.com. And then once you get there, in the top right, there's three little lines, and those three little lines are the menu. Click on that, and then you're going to see e-guide, E-G-U-I-D-E, e-guide. Pull that up, and if you already have that, you're looking at it now, that's fantastic. Instead of using an experience guide when we come back in person, because we don't want to be handing out or passing out things for safety, we've created this e-guide. So this is what you're going to use on Sunday mornings. Uh, to respond, to communicate with us, prayer requests, all those kind of things instead of the physical experience guide that we normally give you. So let me walk through it real quick because you can use it this morning. It's live and ready, and so I'd like for you to use this this morning uh, to communicate with us. If it's your first time here, there's a button there that says first time guests. All we're going to ask you for is your name, email, and phone number. And so if you'd fill out that, we would love to communicate more with you who we are as a church and um, and see whether this would be a place that God would have you to plug in. The next one actually says events. And let me talk events just for a moment real quick. So um, Life Steps will be starting back up the 1st of June. So if you haven't been through Life Steps, plan to come through Life Steps with us. Uh, tonight, there is a Thrive meeting, and it's going to be online. It's a Zoom meeting that Eden will be doing. And it is not only for parents and teenagers. You're welcome as well. But also for any one of our dream teamers that want to be volunteers or be a part of what's going on with the teen center. So our plan is whenever we go, whenever the governor has us go to phase two, then we're going to open up the Thrive Center for youth and for the teen center during the week. Okay, so uh, if you want to be a part of that, come and, and be uh, on the Zoom meeting tonight. The information's right there. And then when we come back together next week on the 31st, not only is it fifth Sunday family worship, so no kids ministry, we'll all be together for the one week. Kids ministry will be back on June 7th, but that one week, but also we're going to celebrate our graduates. It's graduate Sunday. And so if you haven't uh, registered, we need you to register your graduates so we know that they're going to participate. We'd love all graduates, not just high school, college, trade school, nursing school, anything else, if you'd like to be recognized, then please click on that and register so we know that you're coming for graduation. But this is our events guide, and this is what will help you, uh, like I say, when we come back together. The very next button, sermon notes. Click on that, and let's get into God's Word this morning, all right? We have been studying in the book of Ephesians, and this is our last week. We are, this is week six. We are in chapter six of Ephesians. We've done a chapter a week. And uh, I got to tell you, I have thoroughly enjoyed this study personally for me. And so I hope it's been beneficial to you and your family. But quick review, because maybe you're joining us for the first time and you're like, I'm catching the tail end of this. Um, chapters uh, one through three of Ephesians are one section and chapters four through six are another section. The first section, it's kind of theology. It's kind of doctrine. It's kind of the, the ideas of who God is and our relationship to him and that whole scenario. And if you were with us in the study in chapter one, what we heard were, were these amazing words. You're chosen, you're adopted, and you're redeemed. 
And, and, and so it's this reminder of the relationship that we have to God, that, that he chose us. He didn't have to choose us. I mean, what, what an amazing God that, that we so often don't do what we're supposed to do. We so often don't pay attention to what God wants or what he's doing in our lives. We so often are turning to self because of our sinful nature. But he chooses us anyway. Like he pursues us. He chose us. He adopts us. He makes us part of his family. He redeems us. And then in chapter 2, it really gets into the depth of sin. And the depth of our, and the big word is the total depravity. In other words, we've got nothing that we bring to the table that is righteous about us or good. That we are sinners by nature. And we're born into that because of the fall of man. And then there are the two words in chapter 2. But God... But we have a God who so loves that he will sacrificially give his only son um, to die for us that we would be able to live forever with him. But God. And then it starts to talk about in chapter three that and, and you got to remember, Paul's writing this way back then and he's writing to a church. And so they're just coming out of this sort of being a Jewish thing to this being for everyone. So chapter 3 is really all about, this is not just a Jewish thing, this is for everybody. This is for the Gentiles as well. It's for everybody. And then we get the big word. The big word we've been talking about for two weeks now, which is therefore. Right? The big word that starts chapter 4 is therefore. So now, because of all this, because we understand those realities, therefore, here's some practical ways that we're going to live. And what Paul really focuses on is relationships. And we say all the time here at Church of the Lakes, it's all about relationships. It's, it's all about your relationships, your relationships with concepts, the way you think, your relationships with the physical world, physical things, got a big relationship with this or your lawn or your car, or your dog or what physical things and then people. So the way we think the physical things around us and people really define who we are. So we're, we're the sum total really of our relationships. So Paul's going to go at Hey, I want to start to bring some health to um, and some holy ways for you to live when it comes to your relationships. Now, talking about relationship, let me show you a relationship that is is the ultimate relationship. And that is the relationship of God, the relationship of the Trinity, right? The Trinity is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it kind of looks like this. And this is scriptural, even in the way that it's laid out, because the Father God is is the head, like he's, he's in charge and he's, he's sovereign. He's the boss man kind of a thing. And the scripture tells us that the son, Jesus, is absolutely submissive to the father. And we see that as Jesus like bows in the garden and he goes and prays and he says, not my will, but your will. And then the scripture also tells us that the Holy Spirit comes from both of them. So this is a relationship that we see within God. And what's interesting and what I'm going to show you over the next few verses as we get into this is that actually this is a relationship that we we participate in in a lot of different spheres of our life. And they are they are images of God. We are created in the image of God. We are created to live like God does, holy and pure, right? And so in the beginning of uh, or in, in chapter four, it goes into this whole thing of unity and it starts talking about God's church and us maintaining unity. And let me show you what 
The relationship in the church is supposed to look like Jesus is the head of the church. This is not Pastor Mike's church. Please don't say you go to Pastor Mike's church. You don't go to Pastor Mike's church. If you do, uh, then you're doing going to the wrong church. Um, you go to Jesus's church. And right now, Pastor Mike just happens to be in this position, but it'll be somebody else one day. Um, this is Jesus's church. And then the leaders of the church, which I happen to be one of, including our elders and our staff and our dream team leaders, the leaders are submissive to Jesus, and then we have the flock, the rest of the congregation. And so we're supposed to maintain a unity um, that we talk that it talks about into chapter four there. Now, Ephesians five, I'm getting to six, I promise. Ephesians five said it started this way, therefore, be imitators of God. And then chapter five starts going into the relationship between husband and wife. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. And then husbands, sacrificially give all for your wife. And and so that's where we pick up because chapter 6, we put the numbers in. The original writing didn't have chapters and verses and all this. And so chapter 6 actually kind of cuts off in the middle of an idea. He talks about wives, he talks about husbands. And now we pick up in Ephesians 6, verse 1. It says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you. Boy, somebody testified to that one. You know, like we didn't do it the way mama said to do it. And it didn't go so well, did it? You know, so uh, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. This is a promise that scripture actually says you have a longer life and your life will be better if you will honor your father and your mother. Then it says this, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. In other words, dads, he's going to remind us, you can't just lord over and beat your children, right? You, you can't, no, we're, we're, we're supposed to bring them up and, and, and do it carefully and do it with some kindness and do it gently and all that scenario. So what I want to show you again is, so here's the relationship that is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And remember it said at the beginning of of, of verse 5, be imitators, right? As it started this whole process of talking about husband, wife, kid. Well, let me show you what a healthy family structure looks like. You have a father figure, and guess what? He's the head of the home. That's the way the Bible describes that. And then you have a mom that it said, moms, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. And the children come from mom and dad and are submissive to them. And so I want you to see that. It's a very practical reality for us to be imitators of God is for us to do things in a way that completely reflects God's nature. Like like when you have a healthy home and you're living that in this type of a structure, what you're doing in that moment is bringing glory to God because you're saying your image is worth imitating. But when we do it differently, or we break this, or we don't do it healthy, dads, we're, you know, overly aggressive or physical or abusive, you know, or moms, we try to overstep, or children, we try to, to you know, not submit. And, and, and when you get chaos, what we're doing in that moment is not just breaking up a home, we're actually distorting the image of God. And so the reality being that this is what it means when it says be imitators of God. And it gives us these instructions. It goes on now to a different sort of sphere, if you will. And look at verse five. 
bond servants. Interesting word, because we really don't have a perfect translation to our culture today. Okay, bond servants, most of them were slaves. Like you can't leave slavery. Okay, there were some that were that were servants by choice. Right. So that's the closest that we can get in our culture because we could look at this as employees. We could look at this as or people that we serve or put ourselves under. Our th- How about a coach, you know, or, or, or a teacher? So we can sort of compare this when it says this bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart as you would Christ. In other words, don't submit to them because of who they are. Submit to them because Christ, for whatever reason, has put them in that place during this time. Do the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Now listen, if you've got someone over you on authority that's telling you to do something against God's word, that's different. Right. But but we have to understand that God has set up a sphere that, that is supposed to run healthy because also it is going to reflect the image of God. Knowing that whatever good anyone does this, he will receive back from the Lord. Listen to me, whatever you're doing at work, even if you don't get recognized for it, God sees it and he's going to pay you back for it. Every time you're submissive to a police officer, a teacher, some sort of authority, even if maybe they're a little rude. Even if they're, if they're not telling you to do something illegal or that's against God's word, what God's word tells us is submit to one another. If you remember this whole section before the mom and dad thing, before the children thing, before this, it said submit to one another. And it was to all of us. Like part of our struggle and our problem is pride. Is I want it the way I want it and how I want it. And we don't submit. Uh, to those authorities that are around us. It says, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or is free. So right there it says, so whether you're a slave or you're a servant, you, you can do it. So if you're an employee, if you don't have to be in that relationship, if you will submit to those authorities that are around you, it's going to go better for you. Masters, now it's going to talk to those that are in authority. Masters, do the same to them and stop threatening Knowing that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, in other words, God, and that there is no partiality with him. So, in other words, when we go to now deal with, say, labor, that sphere, well, let's look. So we back it to the image of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? This is the image. The image of God is reflected also in these relationships, and it looks like this. You have owners, you have workers, and you have the community. And that's a business. Right. You have the owner of the business. You have the employees of the business that are to submit to the owner, but also the owners to be respectful to them. And they're to serve the community with with whatever good or service that they have. And when businesses do that in a healthy way, when they deal with conflict in a healthy way and they do those things, they're not just being a good business. They're reflecting the image of God. We bring glory to God when our home reflects his image when our church reflects his image when our work and and our involvement or maybe you're in a community club or group and there's a president you know there's authorities to that when we learn to work within that structure we're not just doing it because it's the right thing to do or whatever although it is it's also because 
That's how we reflect the image of our Heavenly Father. That's how we reflect the perfect relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we get to verse 10 now. Verse 10, and it starts with this word. Love it. Finally. (laughs) So I almost get this picture of Paul. He's kind of like, okay, look. We've been going through this study, and like we've been studying this now. This will be week six that we've been on this. So it's like, okay, finally, like, let me get to the meat and potatoes here. Like, let me get to what really matters here. I gave you chosen, adopted, redeemed. I gave you chapter two, talked about how much of a sinner you are, but God, right? And and his great love and mercy for you. Talked about speaking life and maintaining unity um, and in the church and our relationships. We talked about wives submitting to husbands, husbands sacrificing all for their wives, children obeying employees or servants um, in, in, in some capacity, serving their employers and employers or authorities, bosses, managers being respectful of their employees or that, that serve you. I've given you a relationship framework to live in. Like, this is the relationship framework that I want you to live in. But there's a tension there, at least for me. Because here's the question. How many of you live in a leave-it-to-beaver scenario? Like, how many of you walk in, and your wife has got the apron on, and her makeup's all perfect, and her hair's, and she's standing there with some fresh hot cookies, and she goes, well, hello. I'm so glad you're home, honey. Come on. I mean, ladies, how many of you does your husband walk in and he is super stud, jacked. And as soon as he walks through the door, the first thing he does is sit down and says, please tell me everything about your day. Uh, So so what happens is, honestly, and I'm just being honest, children, like, are you being submissive every day? I mean, how many of you like every day you just hear your teenager go, oh, yes, mom, you're so smart. I will comply. I mean, so the tension is this. The tension is, is this real? Or is this just a Sunday school lesson? Right? Is, is, this, is this actually something that can play out in our lives? And Paul says this. Finally, based on everything that we've studied so far and everything we've talked about, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Listen to me. None of it works. Unless we lean on the Lord. A marriage doesn't work unless God's the center of it. A house doesn't work unless God's the center of it. A business will not be all that God intends it to be unless God is the center of it. Right? The, the, every A team will not be what it's supposed to be unless God and godly principles are put into that place. And so he says, finally, be strong. Listen. Here's the theology. Here's all the information. And then here's how we're saying it should look like this is God's design for you to reflect his image. But you're going to have to be strong in him. It goes on. Put on the whole armor of God. Oh, here we go. I like armor that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So, hey, guys, I just told you all that. I just gave you what you might look at as a leave it to beaver, you know, situation or what I described. But what I want you to understand is it is possible for you to reflect the image of God. But I need you to recognize you have an enemy. You have an enemy of your home. You have an enemy of your marriage. You have an enemy of all of your relationships, work, community, all of those things. And he's going to come up with schemes. 
And his job is, I want to distort what God looks like. So I'm going to take that family unit that the Bible says that this is, see, this is a reflection of God. And I want to jack up that family unit. Why? Because I don't want it to reflect who God is anymore. So we're going to take God out of that scenario. And we're going to let all this be all kind of jacked up. We're equals or we're, di- I mean, and all that. Whether it be at work and we don't submit and we don't honor. Honor is something that we really struggle with in our culture. Very much so that we struggle with the, the reality of, of doing this. And we've got to understand it not from the standpoint of that person's better than me. We've got to understand it from a standpoint of reflecting God's image. And reflecting who he is in the way that we do this. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You know, you might have thought that the arguments you had this week and the conflicts you had at work were because of people. You know, like we we often joke and say, um, you know, life, ministry, whatever would be a lot easier if it wasn't for people. But the the issue is not. It says here that the the issue is not flesh and blood. It's not the people. What is it? But against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. It is Satan and the demons acting to try and do what? They're trying to distort the reflection of who God is. They're trying to distort what God looks like by destroying those things that are built to reflect him. So it says, therefore, because of that, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Let me say this to you. We're in a unique um, kind of war and we have a unique enemy. It's going to require a unique kind of armor. In other words, there's no self-help book that's going to make your marriage perfect if God's not the center of it and it's not godly principles. There's no, you know, Tony Robbins conference if it's not God-centered and godly and and focused on who Jesus is. There's no speaker out there. There's no Dr. Phil, Oprah, whoever talk show. None of those things are going to change and make the real difference unless God becomes the center. It takes a unique type of armor to fight the battle that we are fighting 14 verse 14 stand therefore stand therefore having fastened the belt of truth what's the belt of truth well if i take god's truth all right so we're reading his word that's taking his truth this is what's real this is what's real and i put that in my mind and i put that in my mind and i take it like a belt you know when you put your belt on sometimes when i you put a pair of pants on and they're loose, of course, not anymore after coronavirus, but, but, uh, but, but you put some, and then you put a belt on it, it solidifies your pants, right? If, if you don't put a belt on, you're like pulling them up and all that kind of, and that's what truth does. When we go back and find God's truth and we take truth and we put truth into our life, it's like putting a belt on, right? And, and this particular belt, it's not like our belt or the one I'm wearing. It actually was a part of the armor that kind of held everything else together. Truth is what holds the rest of everything. We've got to make sure that we're seeking truth. And truth is not found on the internet, always. Truth is not found in a magazine or a talk show. Truth is found in the Word of God, right? And in those who will properly teach you the Word of God. goes on. So, put on the belt of truth. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Here's what's amazing is you're given righteousness by Jesus. 
right? You, you actually, because of his death and because of him dying on the cross and his resurrection again, his righteousness is put on you. It's given to you. But it says here, you have to put it on. What it means for us to put on righteousness is that it's available to you, but God is not pushy. He's a gentleman. You have to make the choice. Well, how do I choose righteousness? You have to choose and I have to choose to set ourselves apart from this world. Right? We, we have to choose to separate ourselves from those things of, the, of this world that we should not be involved in. So to put on the breastplate of righteousness is for me to choose to set myself apart. Verse 15. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The gospel, the gospel just means good news. That's what that word means. When you have the good news, the ultimate good news, not some good news, the good news. The good news is, is that Jesus died for your sins and you can live forever. When you have that good news and you put it on your feet, in other words, wherever I go, it brings peace. It brings up when you know, when you know, when you know that you know that you know, when I know that I have a relationship with Jesus and I'm going to heaven, there's a peace. I don't, I don't, I don't fear death. I don't fear uncertainty as much because I know what my eternity holds, right? So we, we put on those verse 16 in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. As we trust God, right? Or have faith is the word there. We will be able to deal with the arrows. And there are two arrows. I think the enemy likes to shoot at us doubt or accusation. Doubt or accusation, right? That it's either, I don't know if I should be doing this, or I don't know if I'm a good enough person, or I don't know, I mean, just doubt, or accusations. You can't do that. You weren't, you aren't meant to do something that good. You're not that smart. Like these are the accusations. But when we have the shield of faith, faith is us trusting that God is who he is, still sitting on the throne. Coronavirus didn't surprise him. Nothing surprises him. He doesn't ever come off of his throne. Oh my gosh. No, our God is in control. He has control. I know that. When I know that, it's like holding up a shield. So that when the enemy tries to bring these accusations or things to me, I go, that doesn't sound like what's truth. Because I got on truth. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I've got the righteousness because I'm setting myself apart. And I'm hearing this voice or I'm hearing this thing. But you know what? It's bouncing off because I know who my God is. Like, but these are things, listen, we have to do every day. We have to get up every day and put on the armor of God by getting into his word and renewing our mind to the truth and, 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 and expressing it through our faith. Love this one. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation when you know you're saved. When you know you're saved, it'll change how you think. It'll, it'll change how you address everything. So you've got to, and this goes back to like what has been the whole study of Ephesians is here it is. You're chosen. You're adopted. What are we doing in that? You know what you're doing? You're putting on the helmet of salvation. You're going back to the truth. Renew your mind. The scripture tells us to renew our mind. I'm going back to the truth and saying, yes, I'm chosen. I'm, I'm adopted. I'm redeemed. That's who I am. Boom, I'm putting on the helmet of salvation because now it's going to change how I think because I know who my God is. I know who I am. I know I'm a child of the king. And so I'm going to walk that out today. That's the, the helmet of salvation, right? And it says, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Love this because sometimes the best defense is a great offense. 
Because everything so far has kind of been defensive. It's like, do this to protect yourself. But this is the sword of the Spirit. Like, this is what we pull out whenever we have any kind of challenge. It's what Jesus pulled out when he was tempted by the devil, right? Okay, he didn't, he didn't come with worldly arguments. He came back with, no, 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 no. This is what God's Word says. Like, this, this, is, this is what God says. This is who I am. This is who my God is. Right? And so when we know, so you've got to know the sword of the Spirit. I don't know if you've ever picked up a sword. But uh, I've got a sword, and, and sometimes sort of they're, they're big and kind of cool. So the first time you pick up a sword, it's kind of awkward feeling. Like it takes some time for you to work with that sword for you to be able to wield it properly. Same is true with God's word. You can't just pick it up one time and go, I don't think I understand it. No, 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 no. You're going to feel a little awkward. You may not understand some stuff, but you got to push in. Because you need that sword every day to overcome the enemy's tactics towards you. Verse 18, pray at all times in the spirit. Pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints and also for me. That words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Love this in verse 20. For which I am an ambassador in chains. What's so cool about that visual is Paul's writing this in prison, chained up. But listen to his thought process. I wonder if Paul has put on his armor. Okay? Like if he's, if he's put on his helmet of salvation and truth and righteousness. And he's got the sword, right? Gospel, peace, shoes. Because he says this, I'm an ambassador in chains. Even though he's locked up in prison... Even though the, the metal is probably wearing blisters onto the side of his ankle and his wrists. I mean, it's probably gross. I mean, you think of prisons back then and disgusting. He's not sitting there going, oh, man, my life stinks and this is a bummer. And well, God, if you would just do something. No, no, no. He's put on his armor. So he goes, you know what? I'm in this situation because I'm an ambassador for Christ. I'm an ambassador in chains. God's got me in this place for a reason. He's got his eyes up and he's looking around the cell going, who's getting saved next? Who needs to know about Jesus? Right? Like that's because why? Because he's put on the armor. And that's what you and I have to do. And that's, that really is this, this whole message that Paul has written to the, the church in Ephesus and ultimately to us is remember who you are and who your God is. And when you do, you can live it out. But you're going to need to put on your armor every day. You're going to need to get into God's word. You're going to need to pray. You're going to need to do these disciplines. Because otherwise, you're going to fade away from it. Because the enemy's going to come. And he's going to come with all kinds of different ideas and things and thoughts on what you should and shouldn't do. You're going to get confused by all kinds of earthly concepts and TV shows and magazines. No, 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 no. Back to the truth of who our God is, how much he loves us, and and the renewal of our mind to his truth. So what did God say to you today? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you in this whole teaching? Like what stood out to you? Because every single one of you probably has a different part of something I said or a verse said or something that the Holy Spirit just highlighted for you. And so I want you to do what... The scripture tells us to do. It says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. So let me ask it to you this way. What is your next step? What's your next step? What What is it that you should do in response to what the Holy Spirit has said to you? And I'm going to go back to our EGOD. Because here on the EGOD, under the notes, there's another little section there that actually says next steps. 
And so under here, if today you know you have never received Jesus as your Savior and you don't really have a relationship with God, but you'd like to do that, there's a button there that says salvation. If you'll go there and fill out some information, we'll help you walk on that journey and what it means to become a follower of Jesus. There's a button that says recommit. If today you go, you know what? I just feel the need to recommit my life. I've renewed my mind to some truth today. I need to put on the armor of God daily. I realize that. Um, I need to make a recommitment today. If you would like for one of our prayer team members to pray with you, there's a button that says pray with you. Pray with me, sorry. Pray with me. And if you'll fill that out, we'll have one of our prayer team members call you. And pray with you. So even though we can't do altar ministry and some of those things right now, we would love to have one of our team members call and pray with you. There's a button that says prayer request. And the last button says life steps. If you haven't been through life steps, I promise you this is going to help you on that journey. This is going to help you go faster, farther in your faith if you'll come and join us in life steps. And so what is your response today? Let me pray for you today that you have the courage to not just hear the word today but be doers of the word. Father, thank you uh, for this study and the time we've spent going through your word. And and I just pray for each and every person today um, that you would give them courage to take the next step, whatever that is. For those, God, that feel like they need to begin a relationship with you, uh, would you touch them right where they are, even if they're there alone, in their car, their, their living room? Would you make yourself very, very real today as they commit their life to you? And if that's you today, let me pray some words that you can pray something like this Jesus today I give you my life thank you for loving me thank you for for forgiving me for all of my sins as best as I understand today I want to serve you and I want to fulfill what you have designed and purposed for my life so save me today I pray it in Jesus name amen and amen and if that's you today We'd love for you to hit the button at the bottom that says raise your hand. We'd love for you to fill it out. Let us know. Help us to help us. uh, Let us help you walk through that process. Church, I love you. Let's go and be all that God's called us to be this week. And we'll see you next week live at Leesburg High School. And I try so hard to see it. Took me so long to believe it that you choose someone like me to carry your victory. Perfection could never earn it. Give what we don't deserve, and you take the broken things. Raise them to glory And you are my champion And giants fall as you stand undefeated Every battle you won I am who you say I am Crown me with Finally see it, teaching me how 
Let's declare. And when I lift my voice and shout, Every battle you won, I am who you say I am. You crown me with confidence, I am seated in the heavenly place, undefeated by the power of your name. I am seated in the heavenly place, undefeated. With the one who has conquered it all So God, we just thank you so much for being An almighty God A devil-destroying God A problem-solving God So God, we give ourselves to you this morning. So God, every any battle that we are facing, God, we lay it at your feet. Because we know we cannot handle this battle. We are not equipped for this battle. But God, you conquer everything. So God, take the battles in our lives and do what only you can do. And God, our response to that will be praise and worship. Our response to that would be adoration. And God, we will tell the world of how victorious you are in our lives. So God, take this worship, may it be pleasing to your ear. That God, that you smile knowing that your sons and your daughters are walking in victory. So we proclaim victory, we declare victory over every situation, and we declare and decree that the enemy has no hold on us. 
So we walk in victory. We walk with our heads held high. And we walk in authority. So God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.